Two pastors and Tom walk into a bar, but this is no joke. It's the start of a conversation between three friends about culture, God, beer, and more. So pull up a chair, order a pint, and let's get started. Guess who's back? We're back again. Guess who's back? Hey, tell a friend. Preacher's back. Preacher's back. Preacher's back. You know, we, what? we've created a monster because nobody wanted to do pine class no more. We wanted summer. We wanted to live it. Well, if you want pine class, this is what I'll give you. A little bit of Josh mixed with some Gabe or some Tom that'll jumpstart your heart quicker than a shock when you get shocked at the hospital. Uh, I, I don't, I, I, I can't do this anymore. I think if I go any farther, I'm going to lose myself. Huh? Huh? Eight mile? Gabe? Anybody? No? All right. So you would think that after four to five months off, I would have a spectacular intro, right? Well, you guessed wrong, my friends. Per our modus operandi, we decided this morning to belly back up to the high top table to do a Pine Class Preachers episode and figured out about 10 minutes ago what we were talking about. But here we are. We are legitimately back and we have big plans to make this better. So we hope you are still out there listening. And we hope that you tell all your friends, just like Shady and the three of us are imploring you to do. So welcome back to Pine Class Preachers. I actually really hope that you enjoy our regular uh, interactions of grandiose promises and then broken promises. <laughs> they just kind of keep you on the hook. Who's to say this isn't what this is exactly? You know, I mean, I... it very on brand for us very on brand very on brand very on brand but before we jump into our topic for tonight oh the age-old question something that will not change but will remain with us and with you forever what are we drinking gents well i'll start gents i've got a spotted cow from new glarus wisconsin i'm certain i've had it on this show before it is my favorite beer uh it's not like you know it's a beer but where'd it's you, a good beer. Where'd you get it? Like they only sell it in Wisconsin. Yeah. Here's the thing. I like people in my life randomly go to Wisconsin for various things. Cause sure. you know, the Midwest yeah. and they know I like it. And so they bring me back. Like Spotica has these enormous 24 can cases. And so I yeah, it's called have, a herd. Yeah. And I like, I don't drink very much anymore, to be honest. I like, I like, I don't know like once a week or so and like a drink. So it's lasting a very long time. So probably the next episode we do, I'll have spotted cow. So yeah, nope. that's uh, to where I'm at in the world. Wow. Uh, Way gents, to rub your piety in our faces as well. Well, I'm just, it's honestly, it's like, uh, it's actually a, so, you know, I don't know if the good listeners know I had, I had COVID back in January and like, still brain fog and it's really bad if i drink so i just don't very much anymore that's not true it doesn't exist <laughs> i hate to tell you this um uh it is pretty real wear a mask <laughs> i did and i still got it oh no no i'm not telling you i'm telling all of our listeners oh yeah wear a mask it's not that hard you wear a yeah. seatbelt, right get vaccinated oh there, yeah. I said it. There. Yeah, get vaccinated. Yeah. I'm... Get vaccinated. Yeah. All right. Um, not related to that at all. Not an X. I am drinking a gin and tonic tonight, and I am drinking uh, Gray Whale Gin, which, first of all, has an incredibly attractive bottle. It is a teal color with some light gray writing. It is. From California. Uh, it is much more on the citrusy side, which I've decided in uh, my lifetime that I do like a more citrus forward gin than a, than a more herbal gin. Uh, I'll do both. Don't get me wrong, but, uh, yeah, this is more citrusy and I like it. So Josh. All right. I've seen that. I should, so you're saying I should pick it up and try it. Oh yeah. It's worth a pickup. Okay. Okay, yeah. fair enough. You know, uh, my uh, my in laws were in town this week, and so and in, instead of recording Bro-bro. in the, the good old basement uh, where they are sleeping, I'm recording in the garage. And tonight, I found this. There's a, a local little liquor store that uh, carries some of my faves. And recently, I've noticed that they've been on liquidating this particular rum. That what? 
I know. T- like, tell me, tell me more. Well, it's called Motu Rum, Tom. You, I've texted you about this before because it looks almost like a tiki kind of bottle to it, but it yeah. like retails for like twenty nine ninety nine, and they're trying to get rid of it for ten, and all the bottles are covered in dust. So I'm picking up some gin, and I look down, and I'm like, oh, what's this rum covered in dust? Marked down to ten bucks. I'll give it a try. So I thought to myself, it's a beautiful summer evening. Okay, I'm in my garage, and I'll fire up the Motu. It is so hot that like the rum became like room temperature to hot within 30 seconds. And so even though I've never had Fireball, because I'm not going to drink it on principle alone, it reminded me of probably what Fireball would taste like, just like really hot liquor, which is not appetizing. So instead, I am drinking a New Belgium 1985 IPA. And it's a pretty sweet retro sort of Saved by the Bell can artwork. And it's, uh, it's quite refreshing, very delicious. That was quite a journey to not tell us what you're drinking into what you were telling us what you were drinking. So So a very long story about a drink you are not drinking. I mean, you know, you got to set the stage here, folks. Yeah. So so to clarify. It's like all of my sermons. Motu rum, not good. No, Motu rum is delicious. Not when it's 90 degrees and 80% humidity in my garage. You should pick me up a bottle and save it for the next time we see each other. Do you like Fireball? I like Fireball. I'm not above it. You know what? I also thought Limp Biscuits album Significant Other is a classic. I'm not above that either. Okay. I also was super into Skillet, and they are the See? one of the best Christian rock bands ever. Okay, I can't even Dude. keep going with that. I can't Dude. even. I can't. These fundamental elements of Southtown still slaps. I am no. disagree. Yeah, disagree. Yeah, Supertone Strike Back. I just introduced my kids to that CD. Okay, yeah. and we so, need to go to break before Gabe keeps running his mouth and embarrasses us all. No, I would I, I would like to second uh, Gabe Gabe's advocacy for significant other. <laughs> Boom. Great album. Done. Wow. Done. Boom. We are not going to be talking about Limp Biscuit and Skillet and whatever else you guys Keep are rolling, rolling, yeah, rolling, not, rolling. Not going to do that. <laughs> what? Not going to do that. Rolling, but we rolling, are going rolling. to start something new tonight. We are going to venture out into the world of startups and entrepreneurship and every other catchy word that makes you think of how wonderful the church is when it comes to developing new concepts, starting new things, growing everything large, being in charge, success. You are are all in for a huge disappointment. And we're back, folks. So we're going to go to break, and we can't wait for you to return and join us for our conversation. Degeneration. So here is my question that I wanted to pose when we were talking about Mark Driscoll and Mars Hill, and this is where I don't, I don't know enough about it. The deal with Mark Driscoll is that he like, it wasn't a problem with theology, right? It was the way that he ran his business. Right. Well, I mean, yes, he, Mark Driscoll is not LCMS Lutheran theology, but like, no, I'm not even, I'm not even like, I don't even mean that. I'm not like trying to be like weird nitpicky. Like it's, he took take like complementarianism, which is, I believe an acceptable form of theology about gender roles like that, that fits within Orthodox Christianity. Uh, but he applied it in a pretty destructive way. And so that, that to me is like, it's not like just a business thing. It is how he applied his theology. Okay. Does, right. does that make sense? Yeah, I mean, I think that I think that undermines undermines my question a little bit. Like, you, I can't use that as necessarily an example because when you had mentioned that, like, M- Melissa had said, you know, you had said, well, Mark Driscoll just one day decided he wanted to be a pastor and then created a big church, right? And she was like, well, that's the problem, right? Yeah. And I was like, okay understanding that I believe that the best way to become a pastor is to go through actual training, seminary, whatever. Right. Right. So that you know your stuff. Right. From at least the conversation we were having, it seemed like, 
a lot of the issues that Mars Hill had were more from a business ethics and the way you run your business, the way you treat people, which yeah. has nothing really to do with seminary. Like, well, so that would maybe be the thing. Maybe this is interesting or maybe not, but <clears throat> part of the thing with seminary is like, yeah, it is the stuff you learn, but it's a lot of the humility you gain. Like, by getting the crap kicked out of you and understanding the people that are much, much, much smarter than you and have been thinking about this much, much more deeply than you have for much, much longer than you have. And so it's like, like to me, the idea of ever just like flipping the bird to even the LCMS, as much as it annoys me sometimes, is crazy because there's people who are way smarter, have done way more than I have that I just need to shut up and listen to, you know, like. Yeah. And, 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 I, and I agree. And I agree with that. What what my point was when I think about entrepreneurial mm -hmm. spirituality or whatever, right, is Mark Driscoll, whether he went to SEM or not, and just take take out the end result of what happened, right? right? Here's a guy who had a strong faith, did at least some homework, read some books, right? Yeah, he's a very smart guy. Right, right. And really, like, just like Josh has put himself into a position of being an expert on racial justice in within the Christian church or whatever, right? You didn't go to school for that. You didn't go to SEM for that. You've just read a lot to the of school books. Of hard knocks. Right. You you've had a million conversations and you've read a million pages and you've done all you've done your work to get to the point that you are at, right? And so Mark Driscoll did his work. He created a church of 12,000 people. And I don't for one second believe that all 12,000 people were unchurched and didn't believe in Jesus. But I bet you there was a good number that weren't, right? For sure. For sure. And so I think that's something to be celebrated for until sure. all the bad stuff happened, right? And my question is at least what I have found, and this can come across as sour grapes, I don't really care, but I can name a bunch of other people that this has happened to. But like in the LCMS church in particular, unless you are a pastor, it seems like it's very hard to do any of Matthew 28 any further than just talking to your neighbor. That's it. You know, unless you are synodically trained, there yeah. is no room for you to do anything in the LCMS. From that's an, actually true. Yeah, there's yeah. people that actually believe that. You're not wrong. Yeah. And so, and that's frustrating to me. Yeah. 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 You know, yep. and so what incentive do I have when my pastor's like, Matthew 28, go and, you know, baptize all nations and share the word of God? Okay, but you won't let me unless it's just to my neighbor and yeah. teaching Sunday school. That's it. Yeah. That's it. Yep. No, you're right. Yeah, that's a great point. There, there, there's like these ways in which, I mean, this is, this is the very real tension, right? And it's actually very real tension in church planting. Like, I remember, like, talking about this, and I still talk about it, of like, I mean, we even talk about the, the fact that there's a pastor shortage. It's like, well, the, the, the leadership pipeline is so narrow in our church body that, like, you, you either are a pastor or you aren't. And then the way to become one is a very, like, limited way of doing that. And so, of course, we're going to have, like, this, this stagnation. And so how do we expand the leadership pipeline? But at the same time, how do you expand the leadership pipeline without diluting what the leadership actually is and what you're actually doing and being like, it's, it's a, it's a real struggle. It, it is. And yet what's also fascinating about the inverse of that is <clears throat> we've put out some that oh, that's also right, should right. be, no, but what I'm saying is we've worked no, ourselves right. into, into a, into a double, like a double-edged sword that we're getting cut on both sides. Yes. Right. Because we, because of not dilute, because of a fear of not diluting it, we we are missing out on on pastors, right? <clears throat> we dilute also, in other ways. Sorry, go on. Yeah, 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 right. But then we dilute in other ways to the point where then, like, even the pipeline we have, we could still end up with an of a pastor who's theologically yep. trained and quote unquote like sound orthodox or yeah. orthodox or whatever that is ruining people's lives in the yep. same way that Driscoll did. You know what I mean? Yep. Yeah. Yep. Hundred percent. But but even think outside even think outside the pastor thing like yeah like okay no let's think about that first like what if I like read all the books that you guys have read all the textbooks that you did and I've had all the conversations I just didn't go to SEM right and I start my own church yeah. it's called the SEM program no 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 hundred percent I'm I'm Mark Driscolling it here but I'm a hundred percent LCMS theology there is no way. 
that I get recognized by the LCMS. I don't get to be no. a speaker at conferences, no. nothing, no. even no. though I'm a hundred percent. Yep. Right. Which is the only, the only place that I know of that does that. Well, no medical no. fields and things like that, but like, but I mean, even within the church, Rome, all the Eastern Orthodox traditions, Episcopalianism, Anglicans, Anglicans. Yeah. No, no, no. I, no it, it, when I say there's one area that this does this, but like in business, in other places, you can go and become an expert and be right. part of the community and even become a leader in the community. Yeah. Now it's interesting. You're right. Well, this, I mean, actually Thomas is interesting. And maybe we've talked about this on another episode, but, but this does get into that whole elites protecting their authority through these traditional institutional structures. Oh yeah. When we live, because previously, you know, to read the books that let's say Josh and I have read, you had to go to seminary. That's where they were. You know, right. whereas now you can read all those things. You can do what you want. Right. Like, and, but, and so, but you can also, and yet you can also read a, a bunch of garbage theology out there. Convince yourself that you have read all the quote unquote books. Right. And then you are of equal stature and standing with, let's just say Gabe or I for the sake of the conversation. Right. Because it's as, as the, as the access and opportunity to the theological books that were once only housed at seminaries increased, so did the promulgation of self-made theologians or bad yep. theologians having access to the marketplace to put out bad theology. And so yep. therefore, if you have no infrastructure of accountability, right, of forced accountability, in, to, but, you know, good, bad, or otherwise— you could yep. end up teaching yourself some really, really awful theology yep. saying I'm on par with, you know, yep. whatever, whoever. <laughs> and we actually, still do, we still do that well, within I'm, the LCMS. Anybody coming out of Fort Wayne is bad theology. In no, my no. We'd say they probably have good theology. It's bad practice. Sure. Okay. Whatever. I mean, well, I mean, to, to a degree. All right. And there, like, there's some tension there too, though. I'm sure. Me, I'm like, I don't know. They do have some bad theology. Sure. Uh, so, uh, and, and bad practice, but, but I think too, uh, you know, Josh, like to your point, like that's one of the things actually with the Marcel podcast is you look at two things, two, two examples here. One was Driscoll being like, yeah, I can't follow Piper because he could never have a church as big as me. When Piper who like, I don't love all his theology, but the man has a PhD in theology. Like, you know, so like, like maybe Driscoll who has like a bachelor's in history should just like listen to something piper says secondly yep. is like the whole i don't know if you guys listen to the josh harris interview but what was staggering to me is that that dude wrote a book that sold was pastoring a church was lead pastoring a massive church and had never had formal education period mm -hmm. like that's insane little i mean let alone seminary like like that's like so crazy to me and yet and, and and yet but, there yeah, is but, some, there is some part of me that's like, oh, it's kind of biblical. I mean, right. That's it's, the other problem. Which it's is, like, which is really the hard. Church do it? They didn't have seminary in early church. Like, right. 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 They just, I, they just high five the Tom O'Neill's of the world. And even, and even <laughs> like, I just came across this actually when Apollos was. Yeah, that's who was, I was going to bring up. Right. That's when Apollos is preaching up. and it's not quite right. They don't like kick him out, but they're like, Hey man, we actually got better Intel. Let's instruct you in the way of the Lord. And you could still teach, right? Yep. I mean, from the outsider perspective, what it looks like is like, okay, you have your disciples and Paul who spent three years with Jesus walking around, you know, with him. So they got their education and Paul just got his beam of light, Jesus in the face, right? But like, but then you get to Apollo. We also spent time in the wilderness with Jesus and we should distinguish apostles versus disciples. Go on. Sure, man. But like... <laughs> Why make these theological distinctions when we're talking about how to make good theological distinctions, Gabe? <laughs> that's, oh, sorry, I'm like, that's why like, I don't want to be a turd. I'm just like, it no, is no. helpful to distinguish sure. here. Right. But like, then you get However, to with the first sending, with the first sending, they were referred to as apostles. The 72? Yes. All right. We'll come back to that later. Go we're on, getting, Tom. We're getting a little off track. Yeah. Here. Sorry. Are sorry. We, sorry. Go on. Go on. Go on. Are we, Tom? <laughs> this is this is the work of theology to get into no, the but, weeds. But but that's the point. Like Apollos didn't have any of those things. He's yes, leading a church. Point, and you're he's right, doing right. he's doing great things. They corrected him on something. Great. That that's awesome. And he keeps going. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm assuming that that's he keeps but this, going and but continues leading. Like his that actually makes the fundamental difference between the 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 example from the uh, podcast that Gabe brought up. That let's just let's I mean I, I whatever I'm just gonna do it. Let's just compare Apollos to Mark to Mark Driscoll. Okay, Apollos is teaching. He's got some things that are a bit off. So Paul and the other apostles are like, and the original disciples are like, yo, that's actually not right. So let us retrain you in the in the in the correct way of 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 the way, right? And Apollos theoretically does that because we don't hear all of a sudden a bunch of like condemnation of Apollos's teaching later on that he's continued to go down like a bad path, right? And in fact, he's affirmed. Yes, he's affirmed. Yeah, right. But in the case of Driscoll, and from what we've heard from this reporting for the for the podcast, when some come to him and say, "Hey," We don't think this is quite right. He's like, no, I know better than you. I've got a bigger church than you. And oftentimes he preempts yeah. any potential rebuke or exhortation or admonition yep. and is like, nope, sorry, I got it right. Right? So, so that, there's like a, dis, a very distinct posture um, between Apollos as, as, as we know it, uh, you yep. know, reading through Acts and, and the letters. Um and what we've read, I mean, what we've heard on the reporting of this, so, you know, Marcel podcast. There's two things that I want to like differentiate here. So let's with Mark Driscoll, let's just up to the point where he becomes not cool, right? And like, 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 let's just let's just stop on that for a minute. You have a dude who created a church with twelve thousand people who love Jesus and are like really excited right and yep. whether their theology is a little bit off or not like right. wow i just don't care right. you know i would right. rather have twelve thousand people who are really excited about their church and really excited about their lord in a slightly five degrees off than like a 300 strong lcms church that you know has got it 100 percent correct you know and is growing by one person a year i actually right? disagree i actually disagree really Yes, <clears throat> and I disagree to the end that if we believe the scriptures to be true when it comes to accountability of shepherds in the stead of Christ until his return, I've always personally, and, and I've communicated this maybe on this podcast before, I can't recall, but I've always said I would rather, <clears throat> oh, pulling a stew gots. Man, it is so hot in my garage right now. Guts. No, he doesn't. He doesn't sound like a bad Chicagoan meets a New Jerseyan and then they have a kid. Okay. Still guts. No. <laughs> and that look on your face is awful. Um, anyway, uh, when it comes to accountability, I think we see more to faithfulness or more examples of like an affirmation of faithfulness than of uh, si like size or success. And I've always said personally, like if I have a church of 10,000, right, that I burn to the ground or I am responsible for false teaching or misleading teaching and I'm really confident and Jesus comes back and is like, hey, show me my sheep. And I turn around thinking there's 10,000 and there's 10, I'm in trouble. But if I've got 300 or 30 and I've been faithful to the scriptures and teaching them appropriately and Jesus comes back and is like, show me my sheep and I turn around and I'm missing a few, like I'm okay. And I'm going to be very, very comfortable and happy with that. No, I, I think but, what I'm saying is like, let, let's take a better example. In in the cities here, we have Eagle Brook Church. Okay. They're a non-denom church. They're huge. They have like 47. Wait, their name camp. is Evil Brook? No, Eagle Brook. Oh, Eagle Brook. I was like, yeah. what? Yes, a mega church named Evil Brook. Yeah. Evil they, Brook. They have like 47 Welcome campuses. Welcome Evil Brook. <laughs> We're so glad you're here. Come have on an in apple. and taste the candies. Have some, have some candy. There's chocolate, vanilla, people, and strawberry. <laughs> but Eaglebrook Church, Eaglebrook Church has a million members, right? And they're non-denominational, but there's going to be some LCMS pastors here, like mm, you know, it's disciples, not apostles, right? And so, like, <laughs> like, there's a bunch of worshipers there that are awesome. Yeah, but Tom, at the like, same time, at the same time, but let's you're going to bang at them, no. I will, I will, I will bag on this. Okay. If we're talking about Christian entrepreneurialism, there is a way to build a church 
that doesn't ever talk about Jesus, that makes people feel really, really good under the claim of of being a Christian church that may not yes. actually be Christian at all. And so that's right. why I'm unwilling just to say, oh, they have the name church or Christian church on the front of their building. They've got 10,000 people. And, I'm, and I listen to 50 sermons and I'm like, did they ever actually declare Christ crucified and risen from the dead? No, that's suspect in no, my But opinion. here's the thing. Here's the thing, like, just like, let, let me, tell me see if I can help this out here. Cause I, I actually think I'm, I, I don't know. I'm kind of with both of you. Uh, and so I think we should get some clarity here. Like, th- here's the thing though, Josh, like, okay, Joel Osteen, I don't know, jury's out on whether or not that dude's a Christian. Like his stuff is just kind of nonsensical platitudes. And it's like, okay, that's weird. Okay. You attracted 15,000 people because you made them feel good about themselves. I Weird. Okay. The thing though, to Tom's point is like, Driscoll did proclaim the gospel. Like he had some other like messed up stuff. Like we can talk about that. Okay. But to Tom's point, like, yeah, did he do it? Like, is he LCMS? No. Like, does he like, you know, do he sign off on the Augsburg confession unaltered? No, you know, but like, did he proclaim Christ crucified and risen? Yeah. Did people put their faith in Jesus? Are they saved by grace through faith in Christ? Yeah. Did they see the scriptures as authoritative? Did they affirm the ecumenical creeds? Yeah. Like, all no, hundred percent. And I'm, I'm, I wasn't referring to Driscoll because I actually well, completely agree with you. So that's the thing though. So right. I think this is Tom's point. Tom's point is saying like, listen, like on the core tenets of the faith, he did grow a massive church in which many people did come to faith in the actual gospel. Like, and, and so yes. that I think is Tom's point. Yes, absolutely. But where I, were you going from there, Tom? No, I, no, I just want to so, know, so, follow, real quick, the, the last point I want to make about this, though, is it would be very interesting, I would be genuinely curious to know who has maintained that faith after the collapse of right. I mean, the institution known as Mar Hill. Like that, that would be, I think, a, a really yeah, intriguing right. That's a very real question. question to ask. Yeah. Because it gets to sort of the sort of the like the premise of the podcast. Was it the man or was it like the God behind the, the man? Message. You know what I mean? Yeah, the right, message. Right. That's what. Yeah, yeah. Was the man or was that's the message? That's right. That's I feel like right. that's such a weak question, right. though. Like, like, like that seems like a, a a question born out of jealousy of like, oh well, he built a big church, so it can't be real, right? Like, it can only be real. But that's not what Josh is saying. Like, but but that's, to be fair that's to Josh, he's saying the- when it fell apart, who stuck with it? That would tell you whether or not it was real. And I think both of you know that church politics is different than that. I mean, my dad, like my dad has had people leave the church because they moved the organ from the left side to the right side, had nothing to do with faith, had nothing to do with that. They just didn't like what happened. And so if people left Mars Hill, because there was some really crappy things that happened, it maybe didn't have anything to do with their faith. They probably went to another church and continued that faith that was that was grown. That's Josh's point, I think, is to say, though, yeah, maybe they did do that. Right, right. But, and but also- I, I, heard, I heard it as, I, I heard your question as, well, he built a mega church and is any of those people's faiths real because it's a mega church? No, 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 no. I was saying, no, I, don't think I would be very saying. curious to okay, see. Okay, Yeah, okay, but actually what's, what's, Perhaps, Tom, you've provided us with an avenue and a doorway to now examining broader culture at this moment in time, right? Is so were were we successful as the church for the last, let's just go back to post-World War II. Okay. Actually, that's not true. We let's let's go back to, I don't know, Gabe, you can I'll, I'll let you as I start talking, you can decide what what era we actually want to go back to. But we grew – no, I'm, I'm going to go post-World War II because, as a matter of fact, let's keep it in-house. I believe the LCMS was planting a, a church every single day post-World War II for a period of like 10 to 15 years, right? Like massive amounts of churches, okay? And I, and I don't think that was just limited to the, to the LCMS. I actually think that like church planting – I mean, we're not talking mega churches, but church planting and church growth really exploded post-World War II as people came back from the war. They were like stability, right? Moral values, all that kind of stuff. Okay. So if we're going to expand this to say a 30,000 foot view, we had massive growth in the church. Let's celebrate it. Let's applaud that. And let's just revel in it. Now it's all unraveling and we are seeing people on mass exodus away from the church 
And so to me, I think like Mars Hill or that kind of scenario is a microcosm of the broader conversation, which was we were so stoked on massive growth because of numbers, because that's good, right? And now we're kind of left with the fallout of now, well, why is everyone leaving then? Did we do what we were supposed to be doing? Were we as, as faithful as we should have been then? Or is it just completely outside of our control? I, I will say, in fairness, it's probably a little bit of both. However, I think that the broader culture question is really just an expansion of some of these specific instances in which we looked at massive growth resulted in massive, massive exodus. And now we're left wrestling with the question of, do these people even have faith? And was it our fault that they left to begin with? You okay. I mean? So, so for context, for, for the good listener here, Gabe, Josh, myself, and, and Marcus, who has been on our show before. And Mark, had this, and Mark, Mark D, of course, Mark Driscoll, our, yeah. our close personal friend, Mark Driscoll. Right. <laughs> uh, hashtag Mar Mars Hill. Um, we had this huge text conversation about this. And, and one of the things that I brought up was, I think like anytime somebody gets fame very fast and, and things blow up and all of a sudden you're in celebrity status, which I, I think we see with a lot of these mega churches is the downfall that happens afterwards. It happens with all celebrities. When you see, you know, were anybody surprised when like, we found out Justin Bieber does some crappy things and did coke, you know, like, no, like, He's that's doing what a lot happens better now, by the way, love huh? the Lord. He's doing a lot better right now. Hey, Loves that's the fantastic. Lord. Married, well, very wholesome. Go on. Well, like, what do you expect when you give a hundred million dollars to an 18 year old? Like right. that's right. going to happen. Same thing. Every single wild time success these... and instant maturity. Right. <laughs> right. But you see this in business. You see somebody who grows a business really fast and all of a sudden you hear stories about how they're they're spending money that they shouldn't and doing horrible things. You, you know, like right. Like why would it's, we expect well that? it's when it's when talent gets ahead of character, when platform gets ahead of character. Right. Mm. So like we mm. see this of the of the mega church and and it doesn't surprise me, right? But like when we talk about I I don't know, when we talk about this microcosm of like, oh huge expansion and growth and then it all unravels again you know but we're seeing it in fast forward with these these mega churches like that seems inevitable because things get a little too big for their britches but what i want to bring us back to is like the inability for anybody to do that within the confines of their prescribed faith yeah so and, and like that brings back okay so like let's we'll Christian entrepreneurship or church entrepreneurship, we might say. Actually, right. that's probably pretty distinct language there. So maybe we'll come back to that in a second here. Um, so can I respond to both of you? I think, Josh, to your point about like the macrocosm of culture in terms of like saying like, hey, post-World War II, there's kind of this like idyllic 50s, like churches were kind of exploding and it's like, I don't know, leave it to Beaver and everything's great. I think that's actually the problem was this sort of cultural Christianity r rose up around it. And you kind of had like sort of the first wave of deconstruction of that in the 60s. Uh, but then the response to that was the Jesus movement and this sort of renewal and revitalization that, that sort of happened after a lot of the cultural changes of the 60s. And it looked like that generation was going to leave the church. But then the Jesus movement came in and a lot of that generation stayed. And so then you kind of have the church growth explosion of the 90s and the early 2000s. And now we're seeing again sort of the, the reverse of that trend where we we honestly, those of us, the three of us grew up, I think, in an age that was more similar to the fifties than the sixties were. Um, Probably. And, yeah, that's fair. And you know what I mean? And now our kids are going to be in an age that's more akin to the sixties and the seventies than we were. And, and so there, there seems to be this ebb and flow between, I, I don't know how church, which, and culture which is historical, late. which let's just say in the, yeah. in terms of church history from, from day one, this is a historical ebb and flow where you see massive expansion and then you see, withdrawal or atrophy and then right. you see expansion and atrophy so this is like this isn't anything we're, we're not saying this is something new in the landscape it, of christian history would it be fair though to say that like the stock market that has a bunch of ups and downs but it's constantly going up at least my impression and i could be wrong i'd love for you to correct me on this is that those ebbs and flows of expansion and and unraveling is on a is on a downward down. trend yeah because yes. we've never seen the global populace of Christendom in such a steep decline that it became like, we're down to 50 people in the entire globe kind of thing. Right. Well, but global, but let's, I mean, let's even just talk American because global, 
we're fine. Like global yeah, Christianity sure. is still the fastest growing religion in the world. So like, who cares? I, I mean, I, we care. We care. We're excited about that. It's a good yeah, thing. Yeah. Hurrah. I'm just saying like in the Western world and in America in particular, yes, Tom, I think that's a good point that it's like up and down, but like the general trajectory overall is down. Bigger, um, bigger downs than, than the ups. Right. Exactly. And mind um, you, we're only a 300-ish year blip. Also true. On as the radar. So a relatively yeah. small historical, you know, sample set. Totally yeah. true. Um, all that said, it, well, and, um, and, and actually a lot of that decline is this sort of mainline Protestantism that declines. Like evangelicalism is remarkably steady. Um, like sort of conservative evangelicalism is remarkably steady, but mainline traditional Protestants that uh, are, are the ones that decline most sharply, uh, but neither here nor there. Um, but, but, okay. So, so Josh's point about like, you know, our, did what we see in, in Mars Hills, that's sort of like a, a snapshot of how larger culture works as far as like this expansion contraction type thing. I mean, in one sense, it seems like, yes, obviously it is that, but then like to go to this specific instance of like, and maybe to speak to Tom's Christian entrepreneurship point, et cetera. And like the fact that Mark was just like, Hey, Driscoll was just like, Hey, I'm starting a church here. I go. And that we can kind of, you, you know, Josh and I in particular as sort of elitists can just kind of turn our noses down at this. But, you know, to Tom's point, the fact of the matter is people did come to faith in the midst of that. And yeah, I mean, the damage that was done by that place could be quite large. Uh, you know, we don't know the full sure. scale and but, the fruit of that place could be quite large. Right. Yeah. And so I think maybe to Tom, if, if I understand your question correctly, is it saying like, what is the, mm, What's the balance or, or why why do we restrict? No, I, I I think the fruit is distracting from I and, no, and, see No, I no, I think it's it distracting from, from It has a, to be both. Well yeah, yes, okay, obviously. But I think in terms of some of the conversation we're having, the fruit is distracting from a very biblical mandate given to young pastors in the early church by the apostle Paul called on the Damascus road by the Christ himself. Right. Why would you say it like that? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. You know, I just trying, <laughs> just trying to set the stage, you know, really, really puff this up. Yeah. Okay. Puff all it right, up. All right. Um, you know, and, and this made it into our text conversation. I forget after what episode or in what context, but like Paul specifically writes that a pastor or a presbyter, like should not be a recent convert lest they become puffed up with conceit, yeah, right? right? So it's right, like, right. to me, that's why the fruit, in, in a sense, doesn't really matter. It's, it's sort of distracting from the conversation because what we see here, if we're, having a, if we're having the discussion about like, well, can it happen within like a very narrow funnel of a denominational hierarchy or uh, are, are we just restricting the spirit and we need to kind of let everything free for all? The one thing that is very clear, self-admitted by Mark Driscoll and attested to widely throughout everyone from his church to fellow pastors is like, the dude was a recent convert, had gained wild yep. success, became puffed up with conceit, and that eventually led to the downfall, right? So there's still biblical so, wisdom. Okay, so... Go ahead. Yes, you're right. That's this specific instance, you're right. There's biblical wisdom to critique this whole thing, but let's let's do this. Let's, let's talk about Tom. I'm going to just make it personal. Tom is a very gifted leader. He's a very gifted communicator. Like, both these things are true. Yep. Uh, he is not formally trained by our church body. But if Tom is like, hey, I'm going to walk with like some wise pastors that have theological training, have taken a few hits, but I'm going to start something because I am a gifted leader and I am a gifted communicator. And I just I just feel compelled to start something. I think it could reach new people. I'm excited about it. I'm passionate about it. Like, why why should that be stopped? I wouldn't. He's if, not if, a recent like, convert. Yeah, no, let, let's take let's take a quick poll. I, for one, if Tom all of a sudden had raging success starting a church and he was doing, like, being mentored by, like, very solid, well-established pastors, like, and he came to success, I'd be the first one within our church body to be like, I, I mean, I'm okay with it. Like, I'm not going to make him then go back to seminary to somehow legitimize the ministry that's currently happening. But that's what would be say, like, but our church body, you do have to do that. But what I'm saying right. is, yeah, but see, this is where in our church body, I actually take issue. Case in point, we're going to get point. in the weeds. 
right? We're going to get in the weeds point. here for a very quick session, a very quick second. However, we used to have something called licensed lay deacons where we took lay people and we saw gifting in them. And we allowed them to lead the church without having to go to residential seminary in St. Louis or Fort Wayne, Indiana, right? But then to your uh, comment earlier about the elitism, right, or, or maintaining the power dynamic, that's when people were like, wait a second. Uh, they didn't have the exact same identical training as we did, so somehow they're lesser than, even though they're faithfully serving these churches. So we need to now dismantle that program, which then resulted in a absolute like drought of of any form of pastoral leadership, and we had congregations literally closing their doors, and that was all because of fear. That had nothing to do with like a theological impetus, right, or like a theological discreditation. It was all because of fear that some who were like, we went through all the steps. We think we're in control and power. Here's, you know. Listen, Josh, if Concordia Theological Seminary in Fort Wayne is good enough for the Apostle Paul, then it's good enough for the rest of us. Mm, Wise (laughs) words. So wise. so Go let on, me take on. it to let me take it to even a smaller thing. So Gabe, I very much appreciate the the, the words of, of of confidence there and and whatnot. I echo those, Tom. Woo! I'm a good friend too. But gifted leader, a very great communicator. Example. Oh my gosh! Several years ago, we had the national youth gathering here in Minneapolis, my hometown. Right. And a year ahead of time, I had contacted all the right people to say, hey. I would love to like help out in any way. At the time, I was the president and CEO of Lutheran Youth Encounter. Twin Cities right? Tom. That's what they called Woo! him. Right. And I, I said, hey, I'd love to like lead a Bible study, lead a devotion. Like I'm not asking to be a main stage speaker. Right. I would love to, to help out in any way. You don't have to fly me in. You don't have to provide expense on hotels and meals and things like that. I'll drive over. I'll Uber myself. Right. How can I help? I couldn't help out because you want to know why? I wasn't synodically trained for the fear that I might say something that is not a hundred percent what was like, even though I had Gabe, I had Gabe speaking for me and things like that. And it drove me nuts because now in my mind, I'm like, okay, so when you say Matthew 28, you really only mean people who are synodically trained. When you preach at me, to say, go and make disciples of all nations. When you tell me to go share share the gospel with, with my neighbor, you literally only mean, hey, in a really small way, please go invite your person to church so that they can hear from me. Yep. That That's all you mean. Yep. And I was like, what, like, how do you expect to grow the kingdom of God in yep. that way? And it's extremely frustrating. Extremely yep. frustrating. I, yeah, dude. I, yep. I, yeah, I don't disagree with you, man. I like, and, and I mean, if I now to make it about me, uh, is like, <laughs> I, I spoke at that aforementioned youth gathering, yeah, right? Yeah. And was asked to speak at this one that's coming up. And well, uh, you but, should be because you're a really gifted speaker. Well, thank well you. and you're synodically trained. And right. that's great. I'll take a so plug easy. Great. any day. Any but here's plug, the deal. I'll take a plug. LSMS Youth Gathering. I'll, I'll bring, I'll bring some kids from like South Chat. Like we could, we could bring some representation into the gathering. Like some straight hood. Uh, Your per- persona non grata. Okay, no, so at any rate. Um, but a plug. I mean, like, Tom, you could plug me. We could be plugging to each other. <laughs> Josh, you're doing great. So at any rate, asked to do this, but here's the deal. Uh, I still have not passed doctrinal review. Um, now, it's not just me. There's a bunch of people that haven't. But, like, I already spoke at it. I went to St. Peter Lutheran School for elementary. I went yeah. to Lutheran High North for high school school i went to concordia university wisconsin for uh college i went to concordia seminary st louis for seminary i have only ever been in lcms institutions if i do not pass their dr i i can't imagine how big the flaws are in this system and yet i still have not passed so yeah like it's a real problem like that's crazy the best part is it's yeah, cultic. the best. The funniest thing to me is that two years ago, I got asked to speak at the at the national convention for the LCMC in Denver, and I was their keynote yeah. speaker. So I can go and do I can go and do things outside of my family, but my own family won't have me. Yep. And yep. It, it's just bonkers yep. to me, and and yep. that's I think that that's where I want to bring this all back to is like this entrepreneurial spirit of like, where can we 
where can we, if you are a, if you are a person out there listening to this and you have skills and abilities that you think you can do something exceptional for the Lord, for the kingdom of God, how yep. do you do How do you do that? I yep. support you. And as a persona non grata, like we can just pretty much do it together and people probably won't care. So, well, I think that's the thing. People no, I'm being serious. I'm, be, no, I'm, I'm being serious. I'm being serious. There's just, there, well, anyway, go ahead, Gabe. Well, what I'm saying is, like, I think there are people who care. I think there's this balance of, like, well, I don't know. I mean, I, I guess I, I'll put it this way. It's like, I think, like, it's, how do, how do you, how do you, I, I feel like we're getting really parochial on this episode, but I guess whatever. I, I, I look at, like, maybe take, like, actually, Josh, I'm going to use you as an example. Like, I hope you don't mind. But, like, you started a church that is technically still not recognized by our church body. Uh, because there's all sorts of pathways that you have to go through to make that happen. Oh, we'll find uh, out Thursday morning at 10 a.m. on a Zoom call whether or not that's going to happen. All right. Well, I and we're going to be recording that for PGP, and you can listen in. Oh, I, I will I be recording this that episode. for my own personal safety. I Just. wait until after that to drop this episode. Yeah. <laughs> um, but like, as of right now, you're not. And you've had this church. How long you've been in church? Seven Six years. years. It's seven been years. seven years almost to the day since we launched public worship. Way to go, Josh. We're all very proud of you. So, um, also, have you lost weight? You look great. Thank you. And yes, I have. Have you? That's a B-side. That's a B-side on Josh's uh, new fitness routine. Yeah, yeah, the good listener. Yeah, the good listener can can hear my my fitness in my voice, but not see it. I do actually want to know what you're doing, because you look quite svelte. Um, Mm. At any rate, the point being... But, like, you haven't been recognized yet. Part of that's your fault. Uh, that is, like, the um, the structures and, like, the, the the hoops you have to jump through to make these things happen, that your church just doesn't fit those modes of operation, right? Um, so I guess all I'd say, Tom, is, like, part of it is, like, I, I do think there's a way in which we say like, all right, there's these institutions that can get in the way of doing things. And, and like, that's the thing. Maybe it all comes down to this is like institutions are great at some things and bad at other things. Mm-hmm. Like they're great at providing stability. They're great at providing structure. They're really bad at starting new stuff. They're great at maintaining their power. They're bad at dispersing power. And it's like, I just feel like there has to be this constant pug and tug and pull on like, institutions and and uh and entrepreneurship and yeah. and i mean and, and and maybe that like that feels kind of american though to be honest like because i think of like you know it's like capitalism versus government regulation right yeah, like but but i think what it does in the end is it it says like in my case it's just like okay i'm just i mean the, the thing that, that, again, that's frustrating is I, I can go do my thing. Like the ELCA will have me, the LCMC will have me. So what, why should I stay with the LCMS then? Is that what the LCMS wants? Like, like to have talent. And, and, and again, I like, I, do I think I can add value? Yes. Do I think I'm God's gift to speaking? No, but like, is yeah. that what the LCMS wants? Is just, just have people walking out the door because their entrepreneurial gifts for the kingdom can be used elsewhere, but not in house. They would, I mean, in one sense, yes. Like that's, that's the mentality we've had is like, let's, let's hunker down. Let's build bunkers and silos. And for those who are disrupting or trying to do something different, like let them go out, get themselves shot. And we're going to be nice and safe and sound here. Ride this thing out until we rise back to prominence. Like that, that is literally the attitude within the LCMS right now. It's insane. Josh is not wrong. It's insane. Until you rise back to prominence, what's going to be the catalyst for that? Almost stated. All right, we well, we make more babies. Oh, okay, yeah. Because well, and we've got the purest of doctrine, and so therefore, when the true church rearises, we will be its head, not the Christ, the one with facial hair. Okay, Walther. (laughs) Walther. Let's. I I say at this point, let's wrap it up because I think Gabe, you, you, you said you know, there's going to be this tension between institutions and the individual and. Maybe that's as it should be. Well, and 
And the fact of the matter is, I think it is as it should be. Like I, I like, I mean, and and like you can err both ways. Like maybe, maybe can I leave with this note? And again, listeners, we apologize if we got too parochial this episode. But like, I, I think to me, like, I, I think there's a certain beauty and attention. Like it is very frustrating and very messy, and I get angry about it. And like we apparently all do. But but I think like there is a reason, you know, in our church body, our little tiny church body, we don't have Mark Driscoll. And I'm kind of grateful for that. And I kind of wish we did, right? Like it's it's yeah. the double-edged sword of this thing, right? Yeah. And and like, that's the whole deal is it's like, I mean, that's not to say we don't have a ton of our own poop. And frankly, we have plenty of scandals that like are just smaller scales so no one hears about them. But like, but, 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 but it's smaller scales on everything. And there's a certain advantage to that. And there's a certain way in which like you do have long lasting faithfulness that is good. Um, but you also don't yeah. have the big splashes that reach people who are far from God because we play it pretty safe. Okay. And it's like a real tension. Let me, let me ask you this. Cause I, cause it may not apply. It may be just different in, in the church. Right. But you have that saying of fortune favors the bold, right? We see it in sports, the teams yeah. that say, I'm going to go all out right now. I'm going to go get the free agent that I need. I'm going to make the big splash in the draft. I'm going to get the players that I need to win now. And then they do, right? It's the yep. Bucks getting Tom Brady. It's the business saying, I'm going to push all my chips in on this. I, I'm going to go, I, we're going all in on this product. And then they make it big. Yep you know, yeah. versus being safe and being Perkins and saying, yeah. we're just going to make a mediocre everything. And then they're closing all over the place. Right. Is it Whereas, though? Because let's, let's, I mean, to get less parochial, let's take a look at Google and Facebook. Look at the people who were the original coders and programmers of these major social media platforms, right. Who are, who were part of these institutions that were supposed to be like, entrepreneur to the core, driving social change, like making huge splashes and impacts in, not only in the States, but like in the globe and the global yep. economy and the global like society and culture and all this kind of stuff. And now these individuals who were responsible for like the actual coding of these things are coming out and being like, we developed a monster that is really toxic and dangerous and creating lots yep. of harm but we didn't know what we were doing at the time. And quite honestly, if you ask me, like that's probably one of the more direct corollaries between the reporting on Mars Hill and what we see in the business sector is individual members and even key team members and staff yep. at Mars Hill being like, we thought we were doing everything right, that we were pursuing the kingdom of God with all due diligence and vigilance Oh, and then once things kind of came to light or they started to fall apart, we realized, wow, we were culpable. We were responsible, right? And then that's the same thing that these yeah. people at Google and, and Facebook are saying now. Like, we helped develop these platforms and we're seeing the damage now, but we we were blind at the time. Yeah, and I think, I mean, I think the corollary between Facebook and a church is, I mean, Well, somewhat, of course, it's, I mean, it is, yeah, it's it's very obtuse in, in but, many, in many and but, most ways. But we keep coming back to Mars Hill, but let's, again, I want to go back to Eagle Brook Church, which is a huge campus. I mean, they're, they're probably at 20, 25,000 here in the cities, right? Bigger than Mark Driscoll's church with all their different campuses. Nothing's bad's happening there because they don't have the egotistical maniac leader. Okay, but, but, but like, may but I ask you, may I ask but, you this though? What happens if that changes next week? What happens yeah. if all of a sudden you discover that despite the, the tens of thousands of people for the last 15 years, there have been some like, and, I'm, and I really hope this, this would never happen. Like this is not a wish or a projection or like a desire onto Eagle Creek, you know, Christian Fellowship or whatever the name of their church is. <laughs> but what if you were to discover like in a week or a few weeks that all of a sudden there was like deep rooted and very abusive and potentially like dangerous scandal that had been covered up for like 15 years? Like, yeah, what, what would you I do then? It, would, would, it, would, I, it, would it shift the narrative in your mind or the opinion as far as like the successes, the fruit, whatever you want to call it? No, because you're going to see that same stuff. Gabe talked about it. You see it on a smaller scale because it's in smaller churches. And so you don't hear about it. We don't have celebrity pastors and things like that. But my point is that like, you know, when we were talking about like fortune favors the bold and things like that, Eagle Brook Church is willing to say, hey, we've got this amazing speaker and he's not synodically trained, but we're going to bring him in and have him be a teaching pastor because 
more people will listen to him than boring old this guy over here, right? And so they're willing to take that risk. They're willing to be bold. They're willing to say, you know what? We're going to go out on a limb here and we're going to try this. They're willing to do that. Whereas, and and this is where I disagree with like the LCMS saying, we're going to hunker down and we're just going to do things super safe. And like, we're going to grow by two members a year. I think we all agree. We're talking about the kingdom of God. I think the three of us fully and wholeheartedly agree with that because I have seen operate like, there's a really good friend I have in town right now who is going to be attending seminary. Like he's in his mid forties. He's going to some seminary. I don't even know in Seattle. I would love for him to be a Lutheran. Like the dude is rock solid. I've actually just straight up been like, Hey, don't go to that seminary, be a Lutheran. Right. Mm -hmm. But then I look at our processes and I have two options, go completely rogue and be like, hey, let's just do this old school and we'll just read the Bible together and we'll resource each other and I'll do whatever I can to equip you, right? Which I know I'll get in trouble for and be, un, you know, invalidated. Or Which I you say, shouldn't be. Holy well, I, I Listen, man, I agree. Or I say, we'll do this like convoluted SMP program, which is a hybrid, but you still have to go to some, one of these institutions to, to get the, the, get the stamp of approval. And I don't know if I'm going to put you in that position. Right. So it creates this like really unfortunate situation and really a path with two dead ends. Uh, so we're right. I'm right there with you, but it's, it's the problem we've created. And I hope that we can change one of these days. Right. Because like you, we talk about all the, like, got to go through the SMP program and you got to do this and pay this fee and do this and that. Like I, gosh, go to the Bible. Do you have any like sermon on the Mount? Was there a gate? Was there a ticket Was Peter like taking tickets and like, Oh no. And you have to pass a test to get in, you know, to listen and be part of this. I mean, Jesus did sort of require them to follow him and like hang out with him for a few years. Just the disciples, not the people who were there listening. Paul also. Yeah. Listen, all the apostles are disciples, but not all disciples are apostles. Mm, there it is. Okay. There it is, folks. Okay. All right. But, but, in a okay. nutshell. And I was peeing for the last minute, as the good listener <laughs> will not know, but I'm telling How them now. Uh, one of the things, if I'm tracking what you're saying, one of the things I've often thought about is the like, like, you know, Zuckerberg has something about creating a metaverse or he wants to get internet to every single person on the globe or whatever, right? So he has these like amazingly huge grand schemes that are actually, I mean, the metaverse seems pretty freaking weird to me, but but everyone having the internet seems like doable. Uh, well, mixed bag, but generally a good idea. Sure. Um, like it'll obviously help people in terms of economic value, whatever, okay? Um, so like, wow, incredible dream. And he like just gets to go for it. And it seems to me, Tom, you're saying like, man, this is the kingdom of God. This is the advance of the gospel. Like, why don't we have this same sort of like, urgency and freedom and like unleashing of these things in different like like, why 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 does mcdonald's beat us to closed countries uh than the than the gospel right like why Mm -hmm. are there more mcdonald's than churches in different countries right like like that sort of thing um and the filet fish yeah and i agree man i i don't know i agree and but but here's part of the struggle is like there's ways in which we can dunk on our institution or other institutions as like holding people back from that and that's true and then if i'm honest though like there's my own heart and your own heart too and like like i don't know i'm not doing that because i'm not like well i mean it's my heart it's also my capacity like i'm not that smart i'm not that good and like i uh but i'm also that much of a coward too but for some parody can we like for but for some parody can we bring up other professions that we just don't allow like you seem really passionate and you're gifted right go be a therapist or a surgeon right right? like we're like no that's a really bad idea like you need to go actually get trained and learn skills and read the history of medicine or read the mistakes that have been made over the course of the years in counseling and therapy right compare and contrast Nietzsche with you know modern philosophies of how to engage the human mind like that's the thing it's not just the church but the one caveat I think which maybe bring us full circle is when it comes to the realm of entrepreneurism we're like it's sort of no holds bar in almost any industry across the board. Right. No. So your medical thing, I was just thinking about this. We're, I mean, 
you're absolutely right. Like, do I want someone who's read a bunch of books and stayed at a Holiday Inn performing surgery on me? 100%. No, I, I want someone who's gone to school and things like that. When it comes to our eternal, our faith and our eternal lives in heaven with God, yes, I would rather have someone who is is trained, right? But I think about we were brought up World War II earlier. The medics who went into battle to work on grievous injuries, right, were people who maybe had six months worth of training, right? But it was the best they can. And what I see is the LCMS standing at the beach of Normandy. Wait, you're talking field medics? Yes. Yeah, bro. They were like tying sutures and tourniquets and stabbing people with morphine just to try to keep them alive until they could be evacuated to legit hospitals with better trained doctors. Right. Absolutely. But proving Tom's point. Right. But what the LCMS is doing or what we see church bodies doing is standing on the beaches of Normandy and saying, no medics, you cannot come to the beaches here. You haven't been properly trained. You were, your services are not needed here. Please go back and get three years of training before you come back here and help. That that's what we're saying. Okay. And so I, so I like, understand your point, but if, if I can't, I can't believe I'm doing this, but I'm going to do it. Here it comes. If I can, if I can try to like so many detractors of my, of myself and my ministry, try to uphold the eighth commandment and put the best construction on everything. Okay. Okay. I actually think that we do have some mechanisms locally and denominationally where we allow people to go into charge the beaches of Normandy. I hate war metaphors and analogies, but whatever will roll with it. Uh, with the sometimes misguided and prideful and very self-righteous posture of saying, well, but I'm the real doctor and I'm going to let them go and do their thing, stab some people with some morphine, maybe tie a tourniquet, but I'm going to also sort of require or request that they bring them back to me, the real doctor. Yeah. No. And, and, and so, I I mean, to be fair, we we don't, we don't just say you're not allowed to go. We completely hamstring it a lot of times by saying you're not qualified enough to really do any real medicine. So the ultimate healing and, you know, medicating and surgery right. happens here with me, the trained I, doctor. I want to go all the way back to the beginning because I think I opened this by saying like, look, I believe that the best way, like I want my pastors to be synodically trained, right? I don't want a bunch of people starting churches that that just like, oh, I read a book on Christianity and like, I think I'm qualified, right? I, I don't want that because that's when you get a lot of false theology and a, a false teachings all over the place, right? That's a problem. But when, like, I'm just talking, because we've kind of almost talked exclusively about like starting churches here, right? But I'm talking about more in terms of like, man, I started my career in the camp world, right? The number of camps that have boards that just hem and haw over, oh my gosh, we can't have a camp director unless they're a pastor. is just asinine to me, right? We have really qualified people who have business skills that have the ability to run um, an amazing camp, theologically correct camp, but we say no because they haven't been, they haven't been a pastor. The fact that I couldn't lead a devotion for 15 minutes at the National Youth Gathering is absolutely preposterous to me. Oh, it's dumb. It's totally right. dumb. Should I be leading a church? No, absolutely not. But I think there has to be room for the sake of the gospel and the sake of the kingdom to allow a little bit more out there. That, that's what I want. And I think you guys, I, you guys agree with me, I think. So, yeah. So we solved this. Go make make disciples of all nations and don't worry about the rest. Preach. All right, right, friends. That's going to do it for this episode on uh, Christian entrepreneurship, random rants, and parochialism. Uh, We are so glad to have had you join us. Uh, We're back better than ever. We got a bunch of new things in the works, some new partners we're working with. So we 
hope that you stay tuned with us. I don't know. You guys got anything else you want to add? Yeah. If you hate the LCMS, if you hate Christian entrepreneurship, if you hate pretty much anything involving the spread of the message of Jesus Christ, feel free to text us at 612-208-6258, and we'll be happy to address whatever consternation that you might have. If you don't hate any of those things, you can text us too. We like all those things. <laughs> no, too. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. No, I know, I know, I know. We, we were just doing a lot of like LCMS hating and we were doing a lot of like yeah. church growth hating, you know, and that kind of thing, trying to keep it balanced. But yeah, we'd love to hear we're your reactions. trying reaction. to offend everyone. Yeah. Good, yeah. Good. Offend everyone, offend no one, offend everyone, whatever that saying is. 612-208-6258. That's eight in German to keep with our Lutheran heritage. Yeah.